Welcome to Fresh Takes on the Future of Work. We are focused on fresh perspectives from business and HR leaders about the future of work. FRESH is an acronym for freedom, resourcefulness, empathy, simplicity, and happiness. Values core to operating in the future of work. We'll tie back to these while exploring interesting stories and actionable ideas. Thanks for joining us. I'm Jess Pagoni. My pronouns are she, her, and hers, and I'm the co-founder and CEO of Luna, a team operating system for the modern employer, redefining connection and productivity through web-based personal operating profiles paired with AI dashboards. Welcome back to the Fresh Takes podcast. Today, I'm going to take a fresh look at a familiar topic hybrid work. The buzz around hybrid has gone on for over two years, but despite this, the conversation has not fizzled out. And why? Well, I think it has a lot to do with the conflicting goals and desires that employees and employers are not always on the same side with this one. We've heard and read many pieces about ways to implement hybrid work. With certain tools and technologies, it's never been easier to set up a hybrid work model. However, just because we can get it done doesn't mean we can get it right. So today, I want to take a look at successful hybrid models. Who is doing hybrid work culture well, and how are they doing it? Before we dive in, to take the high road to hybrid, I want to first contextualize our discussion with some knowledge that's been gathered on hybrid work this past year or so. The first thing we must know about hybrid is that it's extremely popular. As of September 2022, 74% of U.S. companies use or plan on using a permanent hybrid work model. I've even seen this statistic go as high as 80% in a recent McKinsey study. An Accenture survey revealed that 83% of workers would prefer a hybrid working model in the future. And in fact, employee turnover has decreased by 12% in companies that allow some form of remote work. As we all know, losing an employee can cost a company anywhere from 50% to 200% of that employee's salary. And retaining workers by offering flexibility benefits helps both the employee and the employer. However, companies that embrace a hybrid model can find that it helps them in other ways as well. On average, companies save $11,000 per part-time remote worker each year. And while we cannot fully measure every single way that a hybrid model directly benefits organizations, we do know that 63% of high-growth companies have adapted a hybrid work mode. On the reverse side, companies that have negative and no growth focus on either converting to fully remote or fully in office. So as we can see, a hybrid approach can benefit both the employee and employer. And now we need to talk about how do we actually get it right? It's great once we know what the policy is, but how do we actually get it right? For most aspects of business, larger companies have an advantage as they have more resources than smaller companies. 
This allows them to take risks if they want to, fall back on saved funds in hard times, and generally weather greater storms the way a large ship can. But when it comes to hybrid work, flexibility, and adaptability, smaller organizations can sometimes have a leg up. Before the pandemic, many small organizations were already hybrid or remote to save on overhead costs. Luna has been a remote-first company since our beginnings, as one example. With a smaller team, it can sometimes be easier to implement new ideas and strategies. It can also be easier to pivot. The smaller the ship, the faster they turn. In 2020, when remote work was thrust upon most of us overnight, organizations scrambled to adapt. But now, the waters have calmed, and we can see which companies have prevailed, and even harnessed a hybrid work model to their advantage. Take Spotify, for example. I've discussed Spotify before on the Fresh Takes podcast, and they are always coming up with creative and innovative policies. But they are truly doing great work. In February of 2021, they introduced their Work From Anywhere program, which allows employees to determine how often they work in the office or at home as long as the company has an office in that location. Instead of specific cities for remote workers, Spotify emphasizes specific time zones, hiring anyone on the East Coast for an East Coast-based team, as one example. Over a year since they announced the policy, the policy has been adapted for new and prospective employees, and even some job postings list the work from anywhere tag, while others need to be in a specific location, such as the East Coast. I'm discussing this concept of remote work or work from anywhere, but really, this is a hybrid policy. Spotify has said, if you want to be in the office, we want you to come to the office, but we want you to to say that. We want you to express your preference. Spotify places flexibility on the decision for the individual team and projects as well. So for example, a team based in Brooklyn may require employees to live in the area, while a software team in San Francisco may just need someone working on Pacific hours. In being open and upfront about which job postings are available for the Work From Anywhere program and which are not, prospective employees can also filter themselves out. This transparency is key, as some companies in the wake of the pandemic list jobs as hybrid, but then will demand in-person office presence once someone is hired. Either way, Spotify allows for a hybrid workforce in simply laying out which teams need to be in-person and which do not, and also giving employees the choice to select which jobs they want based on location requirements. HubSpot, on the other hand, leaves the decision of where to work down to the individual employee in their HubSpot hybrid model. More on this in a moment. From 2020 to 2021, HubSpot's annual revenue grew by a whopping 47.3%, and they show no signs of slowing down. Their success comes down to many factors, but as culture becomes more and more important, we cannot ignore HubSpot's approach to their employees. HubSpot defines clearly on their website 
that they believe culture is determined by the shared core values, not location. They also specifically note that harmony in work-life balance is one of their top priorities. Therefore, they have a highly individualized approach to the work model, the work model they allow employees to choose. Each year, employees can choose which model is best for them, at home, at office, and at flex. While this may sound like what many other companies are doing, the success is in the details of their program. At home encompasses a remote schedule, which visits to the HubSpot office once to two times per quarter. This way, remote employees still have a chance to connect to the organization at a four to eight times per year frequency, while still having support from HubSpot to set up their home office. With an at-office setup, employees go into the HubSpot office three-plus days per week where they have a dedicated desk. Note that even in an office setup, employees are not required to go in five days a week, though they surely can if they choose to. They don't receive an at-home desk setup from HubSpot directly as they will be in the office at least three times per week. I believe that HubSpot has their finger on the pulse as 87% of respondents of the Pulse of the American Worker Survey said that they would like to work from home at least one day a week. There's also the at-flex option, which means that employees come to the office only two or less days per week, and when they do, they work at a hotel desk. As a result, they receive HubSpot support for their at-home work setup. I break down the HubSpot programs to show that no program is either entirely remote or entirely in-person. Every program in some way is hybrid with the employee choosing their home or their office as their primary workspace. Additionally, employees select their plan each year so their work setup can adjust to whatever mode suits them best at that stage. While correlation doesn't equal causation, we do know that 63% of high-growth companies have adapted to a hybrid work mode. And as we said at the beginning of the episode, companies that have negative or no growth focus on converting to either fully remote or fully in the office. I could spend an entire season on this topic, but for now, I just want to put the idea out there that hybrid doesn't need to mean that the entire workforce is hybrid or even that they're all remote on the same days. It could look different for different positions, different teams, and for different individuals, finding what works best for them, while also maintaining connectivity to the organization. Fully in-person work forms a culture with or without the guidance of the organization and leadership. Hybrid work, however, demands intentional culture and values, as it cannot rely on location alone to bond its workforce. A successful hybrid model gives choice to employees, with those employees giving back in their productivity, dedication, and loyalty. Ultimately, companies will find success with hybrid work models when it allows for choice, change, and intention as part of the how hybrid works inside the organization. I'd love to hear more about how you are implementing hybrid or what your thoughts are on hybrid. So certainly reach out and thank you for listening today. Don't forget to stay fresh.